in Genesis 21 and verse 10. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out that Sarah, the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Now, next verse, it says, And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because it was his son. Now, that was Abraham's first son, his first child. And it was grievous to throw out his first child and throw out his first son and just walk away. It was grievous. But he had to do it because he spoke to God. Next verse, verse 12. And God said to Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah had said unto thee, hearken to her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now verse 13, Abraham now decides, this is what I'm going to do. Alright? And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. So God told him, he will also be a nation. Don't worry about this, it's going to be mighty on the earth. Now, so Abraham executes this in verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread and a bottle of water. Now, your father, you are the firstborn. And your father is very rich. The Bible says very rich in silver and very rich in gold. Cattle. And your father, when he's sending you out of the house, has the audacity to give you just two things. One loaf of bread and one bottle of water. There is nowhere you will argue this matter you will not win. That you go and say, look at what he did. People will say, what? A lo even if he was paying you for domestic work you did there. Even how you carry the shirts for him. How you swept that place. A loaf of bread. Your father, I'm telling you in this life, if you want to be great, listen to me, remove an entitlement mentality. Take it out of your system. Your rich uncle doesn't owe you a job. Your brother, if he gets a breakthrough, is not your breakthrough. You are not born on the same day. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you have a twin brother and your twin brother becomes governor, you are not deputy governor. Do you understand this? You are still where you are, who you are. Are you following me? That's not the secret to greatness. People develop an entitlement mentality. Too rampant in Africa. So they start pulling everybody down. All right? And when they don't get it, they are genuinely offended. Now go spiritual. And start using words to pull down all right, people around them. Because people feel that once somebody gets it, we have it. And it's not true. All right? I don't talk about entitlement. But they get and said, listen, because Abraham knew the secret of greatness. That if people, you give them crutches, you destroy greatness. If you surround them too much with support structure there, you will destroy them. If you begin to enable them and do all of that, and you don't teach them, what people need is wisdom. So Abraham taught Ishmael weeks before that you will get a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. It will last you two days. Once it finishes, Ishmael, and you are stuck, now let the covenant kick in. This is how you are going to be a great nation. Once you are hemmed in with troubles, be alert. Start looking out because God is about to do something. Keep your eyes open. What God does, the scripture says in the book of Romans, it says containers will not be able to hold it. What God will do at that time of pressure, he's going to, now let's see what happened there. Quickly. And Abraham rose up, gave him, and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder, and the child sent her away. 
she departed and wandered in the wilderness. Do you know how a wilderness is in the Middle East? Of the children. And verse 15, the heat, all of that. Verse 15. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. Verse 16. And she went and sat, all right, uh, over against him a good way off because uh, about a bow shop, for she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. So she didn't pray. What she did was cried that he's about to die. She saw death and cried. Now, Ishmael did something. Verse 17, God heard the voice of who? The lad. That means he talked to God. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven and said, what ailed thee? What's wrong with thee? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Ishmael understood something from Abraham. When you get to a point and you are stuck, and the tribulation comes, God is at work. All you have to do is this prayer. Next verse. It says, Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation, which means get up. Lift up that thing in your hand and declare out of your lips that this thing is going to be fulfilled. It is massive on the earth. Like Paul said, I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Have a bold confession of your hope in the face of that setback. Meet it with declarations. Then verse 19, the Bible says, and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. It wasn't that God created, God just opened her eyes. The well of water was always there. God opened her eyes. So what did Ishmael play? Abraham told him, my son, when you are stuck and everything is exhausted, just go to God and say, that which I see not, open our eyes that we may see. Pray for eyes that see, that your eyes may be opened up and the Spirit of God will open up your eyes. And that's the key to greatness. When you get to that point, ask that your eyes be opened up and the solution will be right there in front of you. If you don't ask that your eyes be opened, you won't see it. Abraham, uh, uh, Moses understood that. When they got in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 23, they got to a place when they came to Marah and they could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. You come to a place where there's bitterness. Therefore, he called the place Marah and it was a place of testing and they were bitter. Verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And what did Moses do? Verse 25, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which means God opened his eyes to see something that was there. This is what God does. He opens your eyes. And when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet, which means what was bitter became sweet. What was frustrated began to bring great advancement into his life after his eyes were opened up onto something. So what happened to me three months later? One day, I simply came out of my office. Now, I'd heard a message. Now, I'm connecting this, and it sounds smooth, but it wasn't just as smooth as this. It took meditation to know exactly what happened. So one day I was listening to Kenneth Copeland and just said something. He said, you have so-so so number in your church and you think that you, you, you cannot go on television. He said, it, going on television has nothing to do with that. He said, you can go on television and God will supply another. I just did, I just left it. All right? And so what happened was one day, about two weeks after, I came out of my office in Yaba Church. It was very small. The size of the entire church 
the whole space there was less than from these four pillars here. And maybe the stage was less than that. And I just came out and I saw two folks in church. They came with a camcorder and then they set up a stand and put the camcorder on the stand. And I came out of my office and I was looking at them. I said, guys, what are you guys doing? He said, ah, pastor, you guys see that you just repainted this place, renovated this place. It looks very nice, so we want to record service. We've never done that. We had no camera, nothing. He said, we just want to record it. So I said, are you serious? So it looks very, he said, come and see, pastor. It looks very nice. I went to the back there, and I looked. Once I looked through it, and I saw the stage, next thing that flashed is television. Now, why did it flash? Now, if I was just going to preach it, I would say, and God spoke to me and said, go on television. But what happened was he had already planted the seed by what Copeland said, and then he just triggered that in my mind. Next thing, everything begins to work, to fall into place. Somebody was close to me in church, had lost her mother, and so went to do the funeral service. We sat there, and then his, her husband's business partner was very close to Ben Bruce. Back then, they started Silverboard production together, and Silverboard just started then. And I was just talking about, he said, ah, you want to go on television? I said, that's how we started talking television, and possibility began to emerge. And next, I just sat in my office one day, and a gentleman just walked in. He said, I'm marketing manager, Silverboard television. You know, I saw your signboard. I think you should come on this station. And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He said, I just got off, and I just saw it. I said, you should come on. He was a total stranger to me. And that's how I started. I knew that God was saying something. And then we got on. And from there, it led to a breakthrough. But God will open your eyes. All right? Look, the opening of God's eyes, your eyes there, is not just for theological reasons. It's also real life there. You, 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 may, you may know things in prophecy in the word of God, but you're not seeing Jesus in your environment. All right? You may be sharing the word of God, but you can't recognize him. In Exodus chapter 31 and 3, when the Spirit came to give wisdom, he said, I filled him with the Spirit, with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. All, all. The Holy Ghost gives revelation in all manner of workmanship. Whether you're a chemist, whether you're a pharmacist, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're making dresses, whatever it is, the Holy Ghost can open your eyes to see how. Look at the next thing he says here. To devise cunning works, which means you bring out things. Cunning means, it says, it says um, it's, it's, it's about expertise. It's about real knowledge. It, it's about being innovative. That's what it means. To work in gold and in silver and in brass. All right? And then next verse, it says, and in con cutting of stones, to set them in the carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. So the Spirit of God comes in all manner of workmanship, and he opens up your eyes uh, to see things right in that place. So in bringing this to close here, right, it's, it's important that you understand, okay, very simple principle here. When you are hemmed in on every single side and you get to that space, count it all joy. Start rejoicing because God is in the environment, is about to do something. He's about to do something. All right, he's right there. He's he wants to open up. I mean, she's found a well of water. The, the bottle of water, the loaf of bread lasted two days. Now you have water. You can start farming. You can start several things. It, it was a quantum leap. But, but God wants to open up your eyes there at, at that particular point in time. And that's what people needed to pray. At that very point in time there, worship him and pray. And, and understand that you can you can. The Bible says when, if a tree be cut down, 
It, say, it talks about hope. John, Job 14 and verse 7. It says there is hope for a tree even when it is cut down that it will sprout again, that the tender branches will not cease. It says, next verse, through though the roots thereof wax old in the earth and the stalk thereof die in the ground. It says, with a scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. A scent of water. What's that scent of water? It's out of your belly shall flow rivers of, of living water. It's the Holy Ghost coming in. What do I mean by the Holy Ghost? Let me make it practical. Is the Holy Ghost, and we've shown you that the Holy Ghost coming in means he opens up your eyes to see things. He's the rivers. Uh, Isaiah 44 verse 3, it says, it says here, this is what Jesus quoted. It says, Isaiah 44 verse 3, it says, I will pour out water upon him that is thirsty. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. He says, floods upon the dry ground. That's the rivers. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. And what does it say here? It says, and they shall spring up among the grass. They will spring up among the grass there. So the scent of water there is the spirit being poured forth. Now, who is, what do you mean by the spirit being poured forth? Is, is the knowledge of wisdom, which means the Holy Ghost gives you wisdom. Concerning that thing. The Holy Spirit begins to supply wisdom. He starts giving you the knowledge that you didn't know about it. Knowledge starts coming in. He starts giving you real knowledge about that particular thing. Don't give up. You just need knowledge. Don't give up. All you need is knowledge there. All right? If you give up, I mean, and that's why I started preaching this. I mean, the reason what even inspired me was, was this answer because I didn't want a generation... I didn't want a generation to give up on this country, uh, to think that, you know, there's just, there's just no way out. Because, you know, it came from one thing, we have it, to the next day after uh, an encounter to we are leaving this country. And, and a generation just resigns on the inside and give up. I mean, a friend of mine, if I say his name, you all know him, he was a classmate, and he called me yesterday, he said, listen, he said, what can we do to manage? He said, because they, they're making the same mistakes we made in our own generation. And the mistakes in the sun are a resignation to give up, to throw in the towel, to say that, look, let's leave the country. All right? He said, he said look, in our class, how many people are in the country? Now, maybe 10 out of 100, 90 people are out. Not, not that nobody, people still have that dream on the inside. The dream that Nigeria will be great. Wherever they are, that dream is inside them. It's inside them. They want the country to be great. They, they want the country to develop. They, it's still there. I mean, a friend of mine said, I saw him on Instagram Live as a pastor. He said, he said, you know, he wasn't speaking. He said, he said my, my son, who is 17 years old, came to meet me and said, you know, enter. He said, he looked at him. He said, how many times have you been in Nigeria? Twice. Which size do you know that you are saying enter? But he said, who are you to be saying, I went to Ifan. He said, but, but he understood that it's even in people who are not even born in Nigeria, that they want to see the country. It's a dream on the inside. It's inside the DNA there. All right? And people have tried. They have been caught short. So I gave this example. There were elephants, massive, and then I'll say this and close. Massive elephants. One day, a gentleman was walking past them, and he saw they were tied with very small ropes. Elephants, and they were all just there. And he knew that the elephants were stronger than these ropes. So he was wondering, why are they not doing anything to break free from the ropes? How do you control all these big creatures with small ropes this way and tie all of them together? He asked the trainer, he said, how do you do this? 
He said, well, what we did was that when they were very young and the ropes were still stronger than them, we tied them with those ropes. Then they attempted to break free. They struggled and struggled. And when they failed repeatedly, they gave up. And so it was now institutionalized in their memory that the ropes are stronger than you. So when they grew up and were now stronger than the ropes, they never attempted it. If they had attempted it, they would have broken free. But they did not even attempt it. So people that were under that military era, it is institutionalized that, oh boy, the memories of, of, of shoot at sight, you will sit down. Now, one thing this thing did, it actually showed that if you attempt something, you can make the difference. All right? So we know, guaranteed, this country will change. You know why? Because with time, you grow with strength. You grow with knowledge. You, you know things. So people that have grown in strength and knowledge have seen from what the younger people did that if they actually to moved this way with the reach that they have, they can obtain the system. It's going to change. All right? Because they've seen that. Because what actually happened was the chains, not on the outside, but inside their minds, were broken. That something actually... Now, they do have the knowledge. They have the know-how. But they are demobilized by the past, all right, things that had happened. Because you've seen all those kind of things, you know that this thing you try up to this point. These people, they won't. All right? I mean, I told somebody, I said, go to that lucky toll gate, go to those places they are rioting, take photographs of those guys. He said, why? I said, some of those people, 10 years, will be senators, some of those people will be governors inside that place. He said, how do you know? I said, they'll be there. He said, how do you know what you're saying? I said in 1994, when they were struggling, 92, 1994, struggling against military government, Yaba bus stop there. Young professionals gathered together to go and resist. Army came. They didn't shoot these ones. They beat them. All right? Carried their tie. Shade they were wearing tie. Pulled the tie. Beat them, swollen eyes. Who are the people there? Professor Yemi Oshibajo, vice president. Governor Donald Duke, they were there. All those people you saw that, okay? They all, they took the face, fighting for democracy, right? In the past, people have struggled. People have, have done things. So what should happen is ideas should actually go through this test. And what do the stress tests do to your idea there? Where counselors come, where different viewpoints come. Not to destroy it, but to enhance that idea, okay? When I want to put out anything that I know has national consequence, National consequence, all right? National consequence, there. I always send it to about seven, eight people when I write something, that can you give me your honest opinion on this? Because it's different viewpoints, okay? If you write something here in Lagos, the way somebody in Lokoja sees it is different. The way somebody in Zamfara sees it is different. The way somebody in Kano sees it is different, all right? They have different backgrounds. So when I wrote something about the sensor, I sent it to some people, and somebody in church told me, a lady, she looked at it. She said, these two lines you wrote here, this is how it's going to be interpreted. This whole article will be taken and put in the national dailies, and this is the headline. You don't want that. So I switched it. She said, if you know that this is probably what they'll use as the headline. When it came out, is those ones they used as the headline? 
Now, if they use those other ones as a headline, it will have misconstrued everything you said. It will have caused unnecessary trouble for you. So you don't have multifaceted wisdom. You see from one angle. You allow people to come in and, and see things. And that's why one of the worst things that is going on is this cancel culture. That thing is one of the worst things that is going on. Let me tell you why. Democracy is not about your power to vote. The first principle of democracy is freedom of speech. The democracy is built on freedom of speech. It's in the palms of freedom of speech, which means everybody has a right to talk. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Even if you're the opinion, you don't like it, they have a right to air their opinion in the public square. This is what they found out. They found out that the best ideas will come from an evolution of different ideas that come. This is the best system, which means you see that somebody says this, somebody says this, somebody says this. Because there's a way that seems right to you, the end thereof is dead. But that means the way that will get you there may seem wrong to you. So somebody says something, then you bring it. Now when you do that, it is, if you don't say what we are saying, we will, then what happens is you are left with a, a group of people that are only think one way, and that's head mentality, and what happens is social suicide. So it's important that you allow, all right, an interaction. Now, what does it do there? What makes a, a survivable idea? Why do some work and endure while others go extinct? It's because the idea, the ones that work, have passed through the test of judgment. It has undergone a proper stress test, right, and evolved into something that works. They've sat down. Let me tell you this. Platform was supposed to be, a, what I said at the beginning was, we'll have a fear. We started with a fear. We'll have a fear, we'll have shops. And it was supposed to be for singles. That was the first thought. Then I sat down with some people and somebody who runs, who works in employing people, all right? I mean, he owns workforce today, all right? Enjoy. All right, he just said, but it's Labor Day. People will be thinking about work. So we now decided to move it from singles to become a fear for labor, which means that's how we started evolving. If that person didn't make that contribution, I might have just stayed there with... So people say things, and it causes things to evolve, all right? Judgment of an idea does three things. It reveals the weakness of your idea, all right? So don't... And that's why it's pride that causes it, because you feel, well, you know, I'm so brilliant. This is genius. You've not tested it, but it's genius, all right? Then when you test it, then... Weakness gets revealed. So what it does is it reveals the weakness why it may fail or not last. Not that the idea in itself is wrong, but it hasn't evolved to where when exposed through action, it will succeed. Trials and tribulations will appear. The judgment identifies the weak point so you can eliminate the flaws. Then the next thing, it shows you the strong areas so you can enhance that. When you're eliminating the flaws, you don't eliminate the strength of the idea and then finally, by going through this process, you develop intuitive capacity, which means you now become an intuitive person. You know things by intuition. They say, how do you know? You know it by intuition. All right? I said this during the week. Once it got to Sunday night, as it, during the crisis, Monday morning, I just called my staff living around church. I said, go and take all the equipment out of church now. One of them says, why? I said, I said, this thing will turn violent. Take everything out. She said, what are you talking about? I said, listen, 
this thing I'm seeing, she started, they said going to her and said packing it to their house. I said, remove it. Any sensitive equipment that is expensive, take it out of the premise of the church. Because you don't know how this thing will go. So you just, you just intuitively, you just pick those things up. And how do you pick it up? By because when you put out your own ideas and you subject it to test, then somehow inside you, you start understanding. And that's, that's what really makes you successful. You get the rhythm of life. It's, it's not just a science, it's an art. It's something you just know that ah, this will work, this one will not work. I mean, let me just close with this because people talk about many things. Look, when all these things started and people started to shout, pastors, pastors must talk, pastors must talk. People were dragging me, pastor, pastor. Look, let me tell you this. From the get-go, I told my staff, I said, I shouted, pastor. Once pastors begin to write, it becomes a religious movement. Somebody in Kano will read it as you, it is religious. If you are in Lagos now as a Christian, and there was, think about it, a Christian president, and then something started in Kano, an imam started writing, what will you say? You say they want to Islamize Nigeria. That's what you're going to say. So you must see things from the perspective of other people. You have to think. That's it. Remember, oh, no, uh, 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 the pastors don't love us. If you love us, if you love us, if you love us, but there are angles to it, this thing will come out. Somebody is looking at it, will just say, Pastor, Pastor. Now it has turned. They've turned everything to religious something. All right? That is, is religious. It's the churches that were, were trying to do this and it's Christians. And that's how the thing will come. So there are different perspectives to you. It might seem somehow, but you've got to understand how somebody else thinks and 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 how somebody else thinks before you do something with good intentions and scatter everything that you're doing. So let your ideas go through a stress test. Whatever you are doing, subject it. People from different places will have their opinions about it. It reveals weakness, it reveals strength, it makes you more intuitive as you go on in life, which means you just know things because of that, right? And there's power in doing that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. And by the power of your spirit, I ask that you establish us in this truth, cause it to expand within our consciousness. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.